You're listening to Tuned with Alastair Atkin from the Atkin Guitars Workshop. I'm Alastair Atkin, and in this podcast, I'm going to chat to a few of the music industry people I've been lucky enough to meet over the last 25 years of being a guitar maker. Amongst them are musicians, songwriters, composers, and fellow guitar makers. Some of them you'll have heard of, and some of them you might not. Today I'm talking to Steve Nall, a.k.a. Nully, from Collings Guitars in Austin, Texas. Uh, Nully is the production manager of the company, and he started with them about 20 years ago, when Bill Collings and the team were just growing into the company we know now. He's going to tell us a bit about the way the company's working currently, and a bit of the history of his own guitar building. Sit down, relax, turn down the lights, pour yourself a large scotch, drink responsibly, and enjoy the show. So uh, I'm being joined by uh, Nully from Collings Guitars in Austin, Texas. And uh, how you doing, Nully? Good, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah. What a year. It's uh, It's been crazy. Uh, you guys... <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> you guys doing okay over there? We're doing great. We're still, you know, we're still recovering from the weird year that started in March. And it's very bizarre working split shifts and maintaining social distance and wearing masks and having all the sanitation stations everywhere but there's been good things that have come out of it so it, we're still learning how to deal with it honestly yeah yeah and do you kind of get the feeling that uh, over here we've started rolling out the vaccine now and is that starting to happen where you are in fits and starts austin's still at stage five so it's everybody's hopeful and i think we got something like twelve thousand vaccines but it's sort of up in the air when the next batch arrives and and who's eligible and yeah so the end isn't quite in sight yet but it's we're all very hopeful it, it's closer than it was <laughs> so we're happy about yeah that. i think i think it's very similar over here that they're, they're sort of rolling it out but it's sort of uh, stops and starts but yeah you know we've shut the we, we we've We've shut the workshop to anybody from outside and we're just, you know, hold up working ourselves. So I think we're both lucky yep. that we can work. Oh, now. yeah. But um, yeah, my wife's a teacher and she's been stuck at oh, home. Geez. Yeah. And, and I'm fortunate to get to go to work and and still have some semblance of a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. I think what's quite interesting is that we met a year ago and um, we met at the NAMF show and uh, yes, that's been going on right now, hasn't it? And uh, I think it's quite interesting to see that, you know, the stuff you've been posting on Instagram and, and yeah. you've still got a lovely display of guitars on offer. How's that been working out? It's been going great. It was, you know, a lot of meetings about what are we going to do? How do we do a virtual NAMM show? Uh, the NAMM show is the ritual every year where... We all get to go out there and travel, and and we know exactly what guitars we're going to take and how many we should display of each model and what we're... And we have dealer meetings, which was the other thing that didn't happen with the NAMM show, not just showing the guitars. Mm -hmm. uh, so we came to a consensus of what we were going to make. We weren't going to go absolutely crazy and take 40 guitars to the NAMM show, so we took a a smattering of some special stuff and stuff that we wanted to kind of show off. Alex and Joe worked up some 
some pictures and some stories and just kind of fed them out little by little. And, and it helped that we had some pretty exciting stuff to show this year too, with the, the 470 JL and the CJ 45 were both new offerings this year. And, and so we got some neat videos of that and, and got a little interest going. Yeah. I, I mean, um, our, our sort of connection in a way is, is, um, your European distributor, Doug Chandler. Yes, sir. And, and, uh, so, Doug, people over here will, will a lot of people know who Doug is from. Um, have, he had a shop in in uh, Kew up in London, so he was quite a famous dealer back in back in the sort of eighties nineties. Um, but I spoke to Doug yesterday, and he said that he's he's had a crazy time. Europe's gone mad for the new Collins stuff. So uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's 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 good to hear that. Um, even though we're in this position, you know, people are people are still engaged and they're still buying stuff, you know. And uh, I think last March when this kicked off, I think me and you had had some sort of messaging and we were thinking, Christ, what's going to happen now? Yeah, exactly. It was frightening in March because I didn't know. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And the more you listen to the news, the scarier it got. And dealers weren't canceling orders they were just they couldn't open their stores or whatever state they were in they had different laws like we can't even receive shipments and Mm so it was a crazy time not knowing how many guitars we were going to be able to they to make in the future and how to set up the production and and what to make and who to send it to and it changed every day and after a couple months and things started opening back up, the orders came in like crazy. And so we have a lot of work, which is I did not expect to be in this position in March. So beyond lucky. It's it, it's blown my mind. But I mean, I think it's really a testament as well. And I'm sure people have said this, but to, to the quality of what you guys do. And, and a world without Collings would seem like a pretty sad one. And uh, Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> it's been interesting to see how many dealers, you know, in the face of adversity have really gone for it and, and are really yeah. making it work and uh, have had record sales themselves, some of them, which is, which is superb. Some of our younger guys shot up, the guys that were savvy with the social media and that the really changed the game this year they had to change their business models and Mm -hmm. some of the i mean the old standbys that already had a following are still doing great and but there were some up-and-comers guys that were just really savvy on marketing that just came out of nowhere send me more send me more it was incredible (laughs) to watch isn't that fantastic and it's kind of like a re, re yeah. sort of positioning of the market, isn't it? For the people who can really sort of engage and, and are savvy with that stuff. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. It is. And we learned a lot, too. Uh, we've never had uh, a set schedule here. It's been sort of based on your family's needs or your needs. You're going to work your time, but you can kind of come and go as you please. And with COVID, we split the staff in half and had two distinct shifts with a half hour in between to clean. It's the first time these guys have ever had a schedule where they all come and go at the same time as a team. Right. And the production got so much cleaner. The communication went through the roof. The teamwork went through the roof. And, and that's something that never would have happened without COVID because 
you know, we're sensitive artists and we don't want to stick to a schedule and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this forced us, this yeah. forced us to adhere to rules that we never have before. And, and all really obvious things in hindsight. Um, but that was one, if there is anything positive coming out of this, that was the one positive thing. And the guys felt it too. Well, that's, that's great. And, and did you, did sort of productivity and could you see a way for making more guitars because you were working like that or did it just make the guitars or it all flow better it, yeah it was the flow and i can definitely say there's less rework because mm -hmm. there's more communication and everybody you know i'm thinking specifically of finish where everything happens on a timeline and if your crew's all there you can all communicate and i'm gonna head to the it's just one guy's heading to the booth while the other guy's doing cleans and and they started working as a team rather than a group of individuals yeah so yeah. no we didn't have more production but it was cleaner less rework and it, and it feels better when you don't have something coming backwards yeah yeah definitely and i think you know anyone who's who's in production doing this is used to that sort of right that's got to go back to this stage that's not quite yeah. right and and if you can't react fast enough, it will sort of knock a guitar back a week or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Weirdly, as well, and and it's something that you know we've looked at before, is if you could all take the same holiday time, it would really make a difference as well. Uh, yes. But that's kind of, it's a big ask, and it it's I know, impossible. We used to try that. We'd shut down for a week for summer nam and a week for winter nam, but. But somebody wants a family vacation, or they're getting married, or it's yeah. so. Yeah, it just doesn't work like that in life. No, no, it doesn't. Um, but that's really uh, it, that's a nice thing to have come out of that. And uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to sort of go back. You told me that you you started with Collings eighteen years ago. You, so tell yeah. us a bit about your sort of journey into the world of guitars because i think that's something people would like to it's always interesting to hear someone's yeah. uh, story there uh well it's it doesn't reflect really well on me i'm here by luck <laughs> um i i just i was that kid i'm from iowa i was that kid that just was never interested in anything other than playing guitar i was an okay student i just didn't care about I wasn't, I never had a goal to be a dentist or a lawyer or a, any, all those jobs just seemed awful to me. And we were going to be rock stars, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was going to be the next, you know, I was going to tour with Ingve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so when I was 16, I joined the army thinking that would buy me four years. And certainly by then I would know what I wanted to do. So I finished high school. Uh, spent four years in the 82nd Airborne, and all I learned from that was that I didn't want to stay in the Army. <laughs> and so I got out, I moved back to Iowa to try to put it all together, and didn't really have a plan at that time. Again, this isn't making me look great, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and nothing seemed like the thing that you could do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, but I liked the beach i like surfing so i went to school for marine biology because that made sense to me at the time so i moved down to galveston texas and 
quickly discovered that wasn't my thing. As much as I loved the beach and surfing, I just didn't care about marine biology. Mm. And one day I was driving home and it occurred to me, it, it just like a eureka aha moment, I could build guitars. And so I applied to Roberto Venn, got accepted, packed my bags, moved to Phoenix. And on that first day, I knew I, I finally found something I cared about. You know, I had never changed a router bit. I couldn't point to <laughs> a bandsaw. I didn't yeah. know anything about it. But on that first day of class, it felt right. And it just got better and better and better. And I finally felt like I had found my thing. And at that point, I was 27 or something like that. I was really late to the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then it just exploded from there. Everything made sense from there and kind of fell together. That's a great story, really. And I think quite a lot of people who've chosen this route probably have very similar sort of tales to tell. And uh, it is interesting, isn't it? Once you get into this environment, it usually is something that we can't do without. And exactly, it, yeah. It's, it's a drug, basically. And it's... Yeah. Uh, you can spend all your days and nights thinking about it and 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 doing it um happily yeah yeah, yeah. it's a sickness it's it, <laughs> and and you know that was 20 years ago or 21 years ago now and and it's just more than it ever was and my instagram is all guitars it's all i do is guitars all day long all night long it, it's such a a fun obsession i just love the whole I love making them. I love playing them. I love looking at them. I love the guys in the industry. So I, I was really fortunate to fall into it. And so you, you left Roberto Venn and then and then you sort of got into repairing. Is that correct? Yeah. I at the time, one of the other guys in my class got a job at Collings. He was from Austin and stopped by over over winter break and got a job here. And I didn't want to step on his toes. I wanted to be an acoustic maker. That's what really had the magic for me. Mm -hmm. And so I applied all kinds of places, 17 or 19 resumes I sent out from school and nobody was hiring or nobody wanted me or for whatever reason, I didn't get a job. And so the instructors there took pity on me and got me a job doing repair and restoration in Boulder. Okay. And great job, just not my thing. And while I was there, I like making stuff, it turns out. Mm. And again, that's a lesson I learned later on, too. But while I was there, Steve called the school, Steve McCreary, our GM, mm -hmm. called the school asking for a name. And thankfully, they gave him my name. And he called up there and I put in my notice and headed down here and have been here since. Wow. I'm thinking 18 years ago. I'm, try I'm trying to remember when I first saw Collings, but I think it was probably in the late mid nine mid late 90s in in it there, yeah. there was a shop in london um called the acoustic center uh and yeah i don't know if you were, were they still were you still dealing with them when you started yes yeah yeah and i remember walking into that place and i i was at college in london and i think i'd started my business at that point i walked in i said to seamus who worked there i said well, I've never seen one of these. What's this? And he uh, and he said, "Well, that's a Collings. They're from Austin, Texas. Give it a go." And it was an HD um, two, 
uh, I remember hearing a story when Eric Clapton saw Hendrix for the first time and he just wanted to sort of give up the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I can honestly say it was one of those amazing moments where I picked it up and, and it just sort of gave me the, the, the sort of the sweats, just thinking, Christ, I've never seen anything. I didn't know this was possible. And it, it, That's awesome. And it just changed the... Um, it, it, it changed the possibilities. And, and at, at my age then, it was such a good thing because it, it really meant that, you know, there was this whole world out there that I didn't know about. But it, if this thing could be created, then it was, it was beautiful. And and so yeah, the inspiration that 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 sort of gave me at that point um, was was absolutely vital. Um, and were you building then? Yeah, I, I was building then. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it just gave me that. And that's happened to me w- once or twice. There's a there's a couple of makers in Germany called Henkes and Blatzer. Have you come across them? Oh yeah. Again, I have. I had the same moment when I went walked into their workshop, but. At that point, Collings was probably uh, in America. It would have been a, a, a reasonably well-known brand. But did did when you got that job, did people, did everyone know who Collings was that you would speak to no, your guitar buddies? No, Collings was still, from in my opinion, they were still way under the radar. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think our ad was was Sarah Collings, Bill's daughter, like little scribble of a guitar that we they didn't spend a lot of money on advertising bill preferred to kind of stay under the radar there wasn't a big sign on the road calling guitars it was just a little nondescript building mm-hmm. um so they were known by reputation to those in the know but but when i got my job and said where i worked nobody knew what that was bill bill didn't care bill wanted to make nice stuff and the people that got it would get it and the people that didn't would learn about it eventually he knew it would come to him mm-hmm. and again i'm speaking for bill i shouldn't be but that's the impression that i got right they did not try to advertise or, or get it out there well now i look back and I, and I notice sort of Joni mitchell using the collings guitars on the yeah. tur- turbulent indigo album which i think was in the early 90s and and there's footage of her playing and, and you start spotting these yeah. majorly influential people all using these collings and it and it it's sort of that's the beauty it's like a snowball at that point isn't it and it and it's the beautiful side of of making something like that and watching that rise and still never to be as big as it could be is you know because i i i guess you guys could be a lot bigger if you wanted to be you know but it's a brand that we've all grown to enjoy the fact that it stands for quality um and I think that's why we can't grow much more. I don't. We don't ever have meetings about more, 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 or diversifying. You know, we're pretty happy where we're at. Uh, it's hard enough at the level that we are, and I think if we grew much, then then something would give, and it wouldn't be a Collings anymore. Yeah, yeah. And when when you sort of look at Bill's legacy, how many of you in the building now? Uh, actually worked with Bill? Let me put it this way. When I started, there were 30 of us. And that first year, uh, we went through 32 people. Wow. And we didn't fire anybody. It was 
this place was a pirate ship and it was insane and there were no manager there was <laughs> steve and bill and bill was super involved i believe we had just started making mandolins and we were all a team because there was nobody with the clipboard there was no it was every man for himself working on these things mm-hmm. but doing it together and as we've evolved from that little mom and pop shop and trying to get procedures in place and metrics and all that uh we have been able to retain people so there's still half a dozen or so 20 year guys and then probably half my crew has been here for more than 10 years so there's still a lot of that old school in the building and of course i have new guys that have never met bill and they've worked here three years which is just weird but yeah yeah we still retain a lot of those guys of course we have bruce and clint and Aaron and Steve and in the pillars of the Collins community. But I have a lot of 10, 15 year guys that, that we can still draw on that worked with Bill and knew Bill. And, and I have an incredible production coordinator that has taken it upon himself to document all of these procedures shop wide. And so, so the, the Bill procedures will live on way beyond us. It's really cool. That's so cool. We have this trouble here. To to get the information out of someone's head, yeah, and get it down on into a form where people can actually follow it and understand it. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to come from, in my case, me. It's just someone had a good idea, but you know, and it and it's recorded. But yeah, to get that information down and and to be able to draw on it, oh, to lose it would be horrible. And that's that's happened so much with guitar companies that you know. Many a guitar company and a lot of the big ones we know yeah. have all been through that. Well, it gets even trickier because, you know, human need, nature is you hire a guy for a job, show them how to do the job, train them, blah, blah, blah. And then every single time they'll sort of find a different way to do it. And that was the stuff that would make Bill crazy. Bill didn't want to see <laughs> any of our fingerprints on the guitars, meaning we had to make the bridge like bill would make the bridge he didn't want to look at three different bridges that three different guys made and say nully did that one and and somebody else that they all had to be the same so there's a very specific way that we've learned to do it yeah and so that's how i tried training it for years until i discovered the human nature aspect of people just sort of reinvent the wheel and come up with something similar but when you explain not just the how, but the why, and that's what's going into this documentation, then all your bases are covered. And that's something, honestly, I just learned, is why we do it the way we do it, not just how to do it. And so you can't reinvent the why. That's interesting. And that's interesting. It's isn't helped it? a lot. Yeah. Something as simple as standing on a bridge, you know, they all have to be the same. Yeah. And guys want to put their own little flourish on it or their own little stamp on it and and, and bill hated that <laughs> but it, he, he called it folk art he didn't want to see folk art he wanted everything to look like it was made that way and nobody ever touched it. <laughs> oh that's so cool i i uh, i met bill collings once and uh, we went out to dinner and after that i said look bill is there any way you can come back to my workshop i, I want to sort of I just need to lock you in here for the night and you need to tell me everything you know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was like, oh, God, man, okay. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, so I got him back. And, and of course, I'm asking him all these questions. And he spoke in in riddles 
Um, but I got this yep. real kind of feeling that it talk about certain makers, and I won't say who they are, you know, because I'd be going, well, what about him? And what about him? He goes, man, he's just a hippie. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> you know, and he'd say this stuff, and I'd just think, well, what's he, he can't say that. And and, oh, and then you, you just kind of got... I, I, it took me a long time after that meeting to finally get a lot of the stuff that he was telling me because I wasn't, right. I wasn't ready to understand it. And I wouldn't even put myself in the, uh, you know, sphere of understanding everything he said. But the penny started to drop gradually as time went on. And um, I, I, th I look at the Collings now and it almost looks like it's been hatched out of an egg. It's that sort of perfect. And the, the way that, you don't get a funny little bit up here every so often, or you don't... I mean, you right. guys, you probably know where those funny little bits are. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. And, that's awesome. Yeah, you got the full bill treatment. That, <laughs> I just love the guy, and I miss him every day. But he, he, you didn't get a lot of direct answers. And, like, you, you would understand the answer later as you kept mulling it over. Like, <laughs> well... Like you yeah, but no. When he when he died, I I, I actually I found myself crying because it, it I don't think there's been many people who have actually influenced um, no. me that much. You know, it was it, it, the making and everything. Anyway, let's go yeah. past that. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> so, you know, you, you've got you've got all this skill in inside the building, and and you've got three. Would you say three departments? You've got acoustic, mandolin, and electric. Um, in Waterloo, and Waterloo, and cases are they yep. still being made? The cases? No, uh, no, we're not making cases anymore. I think we ended that last year. That's a shame, isn't it? I I can understand yeah. why you're not doing it, um, but uh, it was brilliant uh, that it yeah. was done. That really is. It, they were beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things, and every bit as hard to make as these guitars. And and it was just, you know, it was. Bill wanted that to be the little bow on his guitar. He wanted that that case. And we gave it everything we had, and, and we could do it, but we couldn't make money doing mm. it. Yeah. They yeah. were gorgeous. And it was just sort of, uh, what did Bob Taylor say? He said it was an, an idea out of his time or something like that. It, was, yeah. it wasn't a commonplace thing anymore. And... And we thought people would care maybe more than people actually cared about it. So the people, just like our guitars, the people that got it, got it. Mm. But the people that didn't, didn't. And, and there weren't enough people that got it for us to continue doing it. And uh, I got that feeling. I remember seeing it and I, I was just like knocked out. And I, I anyone who's got a sort of a, a knowledge of vintage guitars knows exactly what Bill Collings was after at that point, don't, don't you? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, he went full bill on those things. He, from the handles to the latches to, I mean, just everything. He, in typical Bill fashion, they were incredible mm -hmm. works of art. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, so the, the 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 four different areas of of the factory. How much contact do you guys have? Is there much crossover of work between the four of the four areas? Like, does someone work in necks in in acoustics and electrics or is it sort of people stick to their area yeah people tend to stick to their area there's not really much crossover um 
when I started, you would have a job. I mean, back to bridges, you would sand bridges and you would do that for years because Bill, mm-hmm. Bill wanted you to be an expert at that job. What happened is, is guys would get burnt out and cross training costs money. You know, it's, it slows you down. We don't have extra people, but we found over the years that cross training's the best thing to keep the guys engaged and, and hone their skills and, and keep them growing. So we are yeah. doing a lot more cross training these days, but it's typically not cross departmental. It would be, you know, you go from next hands to next finish or something analogous, something that your skill set yeah. that you've proven yourself in translates to for the next job. And if you stay long enough, then you keep moving around. But typically, electric guys are electric guys, acoustic guys are acoustic guys, and so on. Sure. So, um, how many people in in the building can make? A whole guitar, do you think? Uh, 80%. Okay, that's good. Something like that. Yeah, it's a high percentage. We get a lot of guys from guitar schools. Yeah. And then, you know, I have some chefs. I have some just random people. Uh, They're not all from guitar school. They're not all guitar builders. It works both ways. We'll train you to do what we need you to do. It's just you have to be trainable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, we have a, a large amount. And that's one of the perks of the job is is you get your bench and you can work on personal projects and and make your own guitar or Weizenborn or whatever you want to make. Yeah, that's really important, isn't it? It sort of that bit after work uh, for us, we finish at about four or five o'clock, depending on what's going on. And there's a little buzz after work where people are sort of talking about their own little projects they're working on, and and you yeah. know, guys would be sort of getting excited about something that that you know we've we've had the chance to do and and uh, it keeps people really interested and ultimately that's it's kind of why we all get involved it it wants right. it wants to stay exciting doesn't it yeah exactly yeah 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 that part was important to bill too he always had the shop open on saturdays and 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 just loved to see what people were up to yeah that's a, a really valuable part of um of what's going on so you guys are in austin and uh, i've never been to austin which i one day i'd like to change but how important do you think your locality is to the success of collings guitars i don't think it matters you know austin prides itself on on live music and and we have tons and tons. You can't go to the laundromat and not have a singer-songwriter there. Right. Music's everywhere, or it was before all this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that our location matters. Yeah. Uh, because we're slightly out of town. Uh, there's no sign on the highway saying where we're at. Come visit. We're not open to visitors. We don't have a storefront. So I don't know that a lot of people in town even know that we're here. Right, right. Yeah, because from the outside, it does seem like you get quite a lot of visitors. When you look at sort of the the music of Texas, it looks like there's quite a lot of Texan singer-songwriters and, and musicians using your, your stuff. Um, yeah. But do you get the feeling that if you were in Milwaukee... Yeah, well, it would, it would still work, wouldn't it, I guess? Yeah, it's... Well, uh, you know... No, you're making a good point because when I think of, I don't want to say brand ambassador, but that's what came mm-hmm, to mind. Mm-hmm. Lyle, Lyle Lovett, yeah. Robert Earl and, and the Texas guys. And then they spread that out to their friends and their friends and their friends. And that is 
but that's not based on our location that's based on bill's relationship with those guys yeah yeah um so yeah i guess I rescind my former comment. I think you're right. Location does have something to do with it. <laughs> I mean, the, the, weirdly, it, it, it's, you know, because we all send guitars all over the world, don't we? And, and uh, you know, most of this stuff, you you haven't, you can't really imagine where it's going. You know, a lot of the places that these guitars end up, I've never been to. But um, right. it, I think it, being being European or, or certainly English, we, we get this certain romance with you know the acoustic guitar or or the the guitar itself just seems to have such an affinity with with america and uh and it's such strong branding isn't it america and guitars um yeah so so right now you you guys are are sort of working on you've got some of these new models out um did you start thinking about these models before NAM, or does stuff naturally get evolve all the time? Are people sort of coming up with ideas? It works both ways. Um, you know, we're already thinking, okay, what about next year? But these two models that we came out with this year, the CJ45 and the 470JL, are all at least two years old mm-hmm. um, from R&D and just getting it just right and making sure everybody was happy. Some years we introduce a new model that's a a different shape, but these are both brand new guitars from the ground up. We did the 0014 a couple of years ago, and not that that wasn't strikingly different from everything else, but it was a variation on a theme compared Mm -hmm. to these two guitars that are completely start from zero. And so there was tons of R&D and prototyping that went into these guitars, and in tweaking this and tweaking that and rushing them through production so we could get strings on them and hear them and then doing it again but slightly different and so i don't know that we'll i don't i honestly don't know what we're going to have for nam next year we have some ideas if they're not right we won't send them and that's part of the fun yeah absolutely and when you're developing this stuff who does who are the sort of Who's the person who goes yay or nay or is there a group of you that does that now well it's sort of a group but the interesting thing is the group never disagrees, ah. at least in my experience. It, everybody will hear or see the same problems. Um, it can come from Bruce or Aaron or Clint, uh, the idea, uh, or it can come from anybody. Mm-hmm. But those three are like our core R&D team. And Clint is our engineer and is responsible for almost all the designs and than the fixtures to make those guitars in production. So he's sort of the unsung hero of the shop. Yeah, yeah. So important, these and, guys. That oh. When you run a business like this, when you see one, <laughs> you jump on them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, uh, they're invaluable, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, the behind-the-scenes guys. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm sort of not uncomfortable, but, want to make sure that i represent the crew correctly because these guys work so hard and and deserve the accolades but the r&d team somebody will have an idea and it'll get shot down or we'll think about it for a minute and and then yeah let's try that and if it hits it hits if it doesn't we don't do it yeah it's it's interesting it's not just everybody worked with bill long enough that we can all hear what bill would be saying about it (laughs) in in 
he was such a force in nature. There was no guessing whether he would like it or not, or, mm -hmm. you know, so we're going to stay in our lane and hopefully by doing what Bill would, would want us to do. Yeah. It appears that you guys have always have a nice constant flow of, of new ideas coming out. And are you, would you say that you spend more time on new ideas with the electrics than you do the acoustics now, or, or do they both get an equal treatment? Uh, yep. It's probably about even with the CJ 45. That's, that's been a heavy lift for the last year, year and a half, but the electrics as well. So it's, it's probably about even. Mm -hmm. mandolins are a little neglected right now so we need to spend some time on them yeah i mean those those f-style mandolins are incredibly labor intensive aren't they how how many people how yes. many people are, are in the mandolin department right now i have one we did have two in, in, in built and then i have a dedicated mandolin finish guy and then buffer and setup but right now i just have one guy building mandolins and he's been here a long time yeah. He's never going to be out of work, and, is he? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. He has job security, <laughs> and he's great. Wow, that's great. And he can do the whole... Whichever mandolin you want to make, he can make that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. What's his name? We'll steal him. His name's Dave Velkamp. <laughs> let's, let's shout him out. That's my man, Dave Velkamp. Yeah. We call him Mustache Dave. <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing a cracking job, isn't he? That's yeah. uh, When um, Doug Chandler was building a house... He asked me if he could um, rent a spot in the workshop somewhere for the Collings guitars to come when they were delivered from you guys. And uh, so for the stretch of about two years, w we had every Collings came through the workshop here. And awesome. well, yeah, it was really cool for me. And uh, the, the other cool thing was rather than him pay rent, I used to say, just give me a Collings when the, it gets to a certain amount you know tell me how much it is and, and you know you pay me in collings so i had i had a really nice f style mandolin um off him awesome. um, I've, for the life of me i can't remember which model it was but invariably it, it, it's hard to hold on to instruments when you're trying to grow a company <laughs> so i yeah i experienced it for for a couple of years and then uh, it had to move on but i remember it just being so light I should never have gotten rid of it, but it was a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've all got those. Stories. Oh yeah, they're the goodens. They're the goodens. Yep. Um, so, um, if you split up your production, well, obviously mandolins comes in at the bottom here, I would imagine. But the the between electrics and acoustics, what sort of percentage is uh, you know numbers wise? Are you doing? I'm doing. We're doing 18 acoustics a week, yeah. uh, and we're doing 12 electrics a week. Okay, right. Oh, I thought it would be more electrics at this stage. That's that's interesting. Are you? Yeah, we're trying. Right. We're trying to get there, but these jobs aren't easy, and so we gotta first get people in, and then get them trained up, and mm -hmm. and it takes a minute. But yeah, we're trying to make more electrics. Yeah. Dude, we're trying to make more acoustics too. So. It's it'll be a slow process, but it's something we're working on. And were you making more before COVID, or or has has it sort of gone back up to the original production? Uh, no, we're slightly below. I think last year we were shooting for fifteen electrics, and you know if you shoot for fifteen, you get fourteen mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, 
and I don't remember how many flat tops we were at. I think we were at 20. So right. we're slightly below. Yeah. And presumably you had some sort of, uh, you know, some people might have left at that point or things were re rearranged a bit. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how long did you shut the workshop for then? Uh, ten weeks. I think we reopened in beginning of May, May 10th or something like that. I think the governor said we could, as non-essential manufacturing, reopen at 50% capacity. Yeah. So I th think it was nine or ten weeks that the shop was closed. Yeah. Okay. It was an eternity. Oh, yeah, I know. I was rattling around here by myself trying to finish things. and <laughs> it was, uh, The lads were so happy to come back. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it, it really... Uh, it really gave everyone a nice sense of um, yeah well-being once it did start to come back. It yeah. seems like forever ago now. It it does. Well, let's hope we don't go there again and no. uh, things sort of move on. Um, yeah. So you're you're do you, you play a bit of guitar? Are you are you in a band or anything like that? Oh no 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 no! I'm a terrible guitar player. <laughs> oh no no. So there's no Collings, there's no in-house Collings band. There's lots of Collings bands, uh, not as many as there used to be. But I have a feeling when this is over, a lot of the guys get together and jam or used to. We've got some great pedal steel players here. We've got banjo players, accordion players. There's a lot of music types that are drawn to this and we got some pretty amazing players that work here i'm not one of them it's been really interesting hearing your story and and also to hear how the inside of collings works which i mean is there anything else you'd like to, to, to tell us that, that you think i haven't covered uh, i just want to get out there how hard these guys work and and how you know say it in a non-corny way that these guys are still plugging away and and i think the guitars are better than they ever were and and that we're going to do everything we can to, you know, continue this gift that Bill gave us. Well, you're all doing an amazing job. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, we, love, we love seeing what comes out of the Collings factory. Oh, hey, so, um, Nully, look, it's been brilliant to talk to you, and hopefully we can catch up again maybe uh, next NAM. What do you reckon the chances of being in Anaheim are next year? Let's, let's hope... Uh, Let's hope that happens. 100%. I'm going. I, I can't even imagine <laughs> not having it. I missed it this year. Last year was my first, and I was sort of ready to sign up for life. You know, it was uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun, and just sort of walking the floor and, and seeing some amazing stuff and, and, and just meeting some great people yeah. everywhere, you know. It's reinvigorating. Let's hope we get to do that again next year. Yeah, mate. it was a pleasure meeting you there. One of my highlights. Yeah, me too. Nully, look look after yourself. Love to everyone there. Give my regards to Steve McCrary. Haven't spoken to him for a while, but um, well, yeah. yeah. Okay, good luck. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, man. So that was my conversation with Nully from Collings Guitars in Austin, Texas, which seems a far cry from the snowy world we're in currently in Canterbury and Kent. If you've got a Collings dealer near you, make sure you take the time to go and try out some of their guitars. They're fantastic. Um, and if you enjoyed the show, please take the time to review it. I believe a five-star review really helps get our name out there. So I'll be back next week. But in the meantime, you've been listening to Tuned with Alistair Atkins.